Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. Today, we're welcoming executive coach Carmen Masson, and I'm delighted to welcome Carmen. She is a certified executive coach, a leadership consultant, and as a lawyer, she has 15 years and over 20 years of combined experience, a lawyer, post-secondary instructor, senior manager, and executive leader in both the not-for-profit sector and the justice system. And why I'm telling you all this is because Carmen brings a wealth of wisdom, knowledge, and experience to today's topic, and one I'm very excited to be exploring. It's all about courageous conversations and the key skills that can turn difficult conversations into productive ones. So welcome, Carmen. We're delighted to have you. Thank you, Faye. It's great to be here. So Carmen, just before we get started, I I feel that it's always a bit better if we learn more deeply when we're familiar with the journey. How did it all begin? Well, I think uh, my, my journey into law was somewhat of an interesting story. Growing up, I always thought there was two professions that were on my mind. One was a teacher. The second one was a politician. And oh, wow. when I was when I was 15 years old, I I mentioned to my father that I was thinking about becoming a politician and he said, "You can't just go and be a politician. You need to be something first. Maybe a doctor or a lawyer." And well, and I, I took, took that advice and I jumped into law thinking that some of the skills that I had developed earlier in life, like public speaking, debating, I, I was interested in those things. And I thought, you know what, law probably will be a good fit for me. And how did you find it when you started out? Well, I think uh, I started out in private practice, and this was in the late 90s. I uh, started in a small rural practice. So I left the city that I had been living in because of a job opportunity. And I, I was very fortunate, I found, that I was, be a- I was able to be exposed to to very high-level trial matters almost instantaneously. So I was, it was kind of like trial by fire. I was learning a lot very rapidly. I was very busy and I was also very consumed with my work. So you developed a real love for it, but also it sounds like it was beginning to take a lot of energy. So what happened next? Well, I, I learned that, you know, the, the experience was definitely an asset. And I ended up moving into different firms in private practice. But I also started to see very early on that that kind of fit between work and the rest of the life. Right mm-hmm. from the beginning, from the early stages, was a challenge for me. I, in retrospect, I was not very aware and conscious of my ability to say no to things to keep a close eye on that fit between work and the rest of life. I, I struggled with that. That's a, that's a big observation. I find a lot of women are in that same boat. And what did you do in terms of your family? I understand that you ended up combining a number of different things at the same time, your superwoman years. Can you tell us a bit about those? In my mid-years, I'm still practicing law. We had two children and when our children were both under the age of four, I was working full-time in lawyer-slash-executive counsel position. So wow. very, very high-stress job. Challenging. I also was heavily involved in the charitable world. I had started a charity a number of years ago and had been working on that and was doing a lot of development work on that during my lunch breaks and after work and on weekends. And then I decided to have another add-on to that. And I started teaching law at a post-secondary in the evenings and on weekends. 
So yeah, there was a lot going on. And did you end up maintaining that? How did, how did that develop? Good question. You would think that at some point something's got to give. And in, in my case, it was certainly true. Um, As much as there were years where I felt like I was in the flow and I was, you know, doing some amazing work and taking on some amazing challenges and really making a difference, I was Mm -hmm. getting tired and I, I was noticing it. I, I call it peripherally in a sense. I was noticing things like I was so tired at night that I felt like I couldn't, I didn't even have the energy to plug in my phone to charge it. So you can only wow. imagine how, tired um, you, were. you know, yeah, tired, but also, you know, I, I had a family, I had young children, a husband, other family, other commitments. So I was pretty, uh, I was going running pretty thin. And what did you, what did you choose to do about that? How did it all work out? Well, it took me a while, Faye. There's, there's no doubt, um, and I'm not shy about talking about the struggles. I, I was probably what, if somebody from a distance was looking at me, would call an overachiever, very type A, you know, was very connected to my job title, status, you know, working my way up the proverbial ladder. Those were all things that were important to me. And eventually, later in my years, And it was actually about the same time that I came into Discover Coaching that I realized that I had the ability to do really good work and have a great impact, but I didn't need to be all things to all people. And I certainly wasn't Superwoman. And I realized I had a choice. I just needed to have maybe some courageous conversations with myself. And is that Uh, when you began? I'm sorry, (laughs) is that when you began to develop your courageous conversation title and the theory and the working area around that? So my, my development and my work on courageous conversations, in a sense, began kind of mid career, probably when I was about 10 or 12 years into the legal profession as working as a lawyer. And I was dealing in, you know, a very high pressure slash sensitive system and in positions that were dealing a lot with complaints and issues with the justice system. So that was kind of the beginnings of that. But it wasn't in a formal sense that I was, you know, per se working on developing programs around courageous conversations. It was just what I would happen to be working on at the time. My, my work specifically on dealing with difficult conversations and being more courageous in our conversations has really began since I developed my coaching practice uh, and my leadership consultancy in the last two and a half years. I just want to take you back one step before we go forward with your courageous conversations, because I understand understand you did leave law for a, a time period. And I just want to explore because I know some women want to look at that option. They want to hear about it and explore whether it's a possibility and also to give some hope that there is the possibility to return to law successfully if you do, in fact, make the choice to leave at some point. So can you just tell us a little bit about that choice and your return? Sure. So I went in and out of law twice. And so the first time I was exhausted. It, it goes back to that story I was telling about juggling multiple roles. Right. I was exhausted. I said, you know what, it's it's time for a change. And rather than being very aware and considerate of, you know, my own needs and my family's needs, I quickly jumped into something else that was outside of law. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, in some ways, the, the work that I did in, it was a three-year period. I tried a few different things. I learned a lot. But what happened for me at that time was I said, you know what, if I discontinue practicing, I'm running my own risk here of a couple of things. 
And, you know, I'll, I'll put it on the table that the risk that I'm going to identify was my perception at the time of what I was putting at risk. My perception at that time was that I was risking losing status, a good paying mm-hmm. or better paying jobs. I was, you know, I did no longer had the fancy titles and the nice offices associated with some of the lawyering roles that I had been in. And so there was a struggle there, like a bit of a, a you know, a shift or even a loss of identity that I was dealing with. And there was also a more practical component to it in terms of there comes a point when you go non-practicing that in order to reinstate, you would have to have jump a few hurdles. So let's just put it that way. And so I knew that that time period was coming up. And, you know, like I said earlier, struggling with that loss of potential loss of identity, I jumped back into law and tried again a few different things, went back into private practice. Then a job in government came up and tried that. And, and then, eventually you, yeah. you've you worked your way up to be an executive coach. And just tell us a little bit about how you came to that role. So that um, kind of coincides with my departure or my taking on non-practicing status as a lawyer a second time. So when I went back into government in a legal role, I knew very quickly I, I wasn't in the right place. I was missing something. And I wasn't exercising the strengths and talents that I knew I had. And I I really felt, you know, separated from that and wanted more of what I was good at in my work. So I ended up taking on a job as an executive director and overseeing 275 port staff in a really wide geographic region. And it was, you know, a fantastic opportunity. I worked with wonderful people, but... What I wasn't prepared for was the amount of change that was basically thrust upon us um, due to really economic downturn. There was a number of structural changes made, and along with that came literally dozens of difficult conversations in terms of restructuring and working with people to try to improve upon our justice system that in some ways was, you know, very, very flawed in some ways. So coaching came along about then, uh, and it wasn't a plan of mine. I just was offered the opportunity to learn some coaching skills that were part of kind of a a leadership development programming. And when I was Mm -hmm. introduced to coaching, I learned very quickly that this approach was like nothing I had heard of or been a part of in law before. That sounds wonderful. this This was the aha moment for me when I realized that by exercising different skills than I was used to as a lawyer, the impact that I could have with individuals in helping them to get through really complex and really complicated issues and things that were on their plates. It was just such a world of difference using those those key skills, those coaching skills, which you know are very much what I use when I teach. And when I talk about courageous conversations. Well, I'd love to learn more about this courageous conversations because it sounds like a perfect word to use in so many different contexts. I find myself wanting to use it continually. You know, is this a courageous conversation? So tell me, what makes a conversation courageous? Well, Faye, I I like to almost paint a bit of a picture And imagine that on your blank canvas, you start on one side of it and you have kind of a zone. And the first zone, I'm going to call it maybe the caution zone as the comfort zone. 
you know, the, the zone of this is the way we do things here. This is the custom, the tradition. Um, this is, yeah, this is that cautious type of zone or conversation is one that a lot of people in law feel stuck in. And I, I say that because I experience it and I work with people that I coach that feel that, that they feel like they have to be a certain way that they're expected to act and say things in a certain way to please their clients, their bosses, the judges, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so, to get ahead. Oh, yeah. It's to progress. Absolutely. Some of them will say, unless I say, you know, yes to this or, you know, I can't question this. I, I you know, I need to be conforming. I need to be cautious. I need to watch my step. I was just going to say, I think that is exactly what a lot of women feel, especially junior women learning the ropes in a firm. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it just, in, in my work as a coach, it comes up in so many different contexts for men and for women. But with women, I see it quite quite a lot, um, especially around conversations of, you know, a, a new mother going back, returning from maternity leave, and really hesitating and being cautious about what they ask for or what they say or how they respond to work that is maybe going to take them out of their, you know, desirable zone. <laughs> um, their comfort so, zone. And they're combining a whole new layer into that conversation at that point that I think we're all very busy presenting that, okay, I've had this child, but I'm just, you know, quite capable of my job. But at the same time, by stating that it that way, there's no recognition that there has been changes and those changes need to be part of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, there's kind of that internalization of the feelings and the difficult, you know, thoughts and emotions around, you know, there's worry for a lot of people, you know, I can't say anything. If I do, I'm not going to make my way up. I'm not going to be accepted, et cetera, et cetera. And I, you know, it's so that being in that kind of side of this picture that we're painting around the caution zone um, right. is one that uh, that's the beginning of the picture. And, you know, if we want to move into that, you know, what is the courageous zone, the, the courage zone look like? It's a different world and it's tough to move from okay, one so to the what's other. What's that about? What mm. is this? You know, how do we do this without feeling that we're putting ourselves massively at risk? Like I can see why we've just covered off a lot of, I think, why it's important and some of what gets in the way. But what is it? Let's go further on that and talk a bit more. Okay, where do we go from here? And what if I do this? Will I be at risk? Yeah, it's such a good question. So, and we almost have to step back before we get into this courage zone and we start thinking about, oh, what can I say so I don't put myself at risk? What can I say? What can't I say? People start running scripts through their minds. And I'm going to really encourage people to step back and think, at least at the beginning, and it's going to take some patience, but to start right. by thinking about their mindset before they even go into thinking about what they're going to say. And that mindset that I'm going to suggest is one that a lot of folks who are trained as lawyers struggle with. And myself included. Okay. And I, I, I think that, you know, we're, we're trained as lawyers to problem solve, to be lifesavers, firefighters in a sense, to mm -hmm. know the answers, to possess the knowledge and to be able, like you do when you walk into a courtroom, you have to know your stuff at the snap of a finger. And if you don't, 
you risk not knowing the answers to things and potentially, you know, jeopardizing a client's position. So I think that pressure has to be acknowledged. And I, I think shifting from this concept that we always need to know the answers and that we always, you know, have to kind of state our case up front. I encourage people to step back and say, instead of going to that kind of fixed mindset or even that judger's mindset where you always need to be prepared and have the answer, mm -hmm. let's try something else. And I'm going to call this one more of a growth mindset. Some people would refer to it as a learner's mindset. Yeah. I'm sorry. Would you say yeah. it's, it's like be curious? Absolutely. Situation? Absolutely. You've, you've got the key factor in that growth or learner's mindset is curiosity and stepping back, you know, and, and thinking, thinking, remembering, you know, when, when you're a child or when we were children, we wouldn't ask a ton of questions when we were thinking about creating something or making something. It's like, we would just do it. And if we, you know, right. struggled along the way, yes, we would ask for help, which is awesome. But, you know, that curiosity that we're kind of born with, we seem to to lose a little bit of touch with it. And so going into a courageous conversation with a mindset that is open to number one, listening to, there's obviously another person or people in this conversation and getting to understand their challenges and their perspective. Even if we think we're right, you never know what we can learn. And the more that we can do that and just step back, listen, to learn and understand, that can help us in number one, building rapport with that person across the table. And right. then number two, actually developing a relationship where they're going to hear what we say, rather than it being more of us being defensive or, you know, knowing, taking a, a position and saying, I want this change or I want that and making it kind of a yes or a no scenario. That's not what a, a growth or a learner's mindset would look like. It would it would be, like you said, very, very much about curiosity, being open mm -hmm. to the possibilities and exploring. So you'd say this would be listening loudly, like really putting your listening skills to work to be able to get your mind into how the other person is thinking about the situation. What is their perspective on this? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know what? That is tough, especially when we feel like we have a position that's really valid, or maybe we feel that we're being disrespected. You know, so we, you know, we want to clarify things, but just stepping back and listening to learn and understand what other people's perceptions are, what other people's experiences are, you know, and then acknowledging those things when we're listening loudly and actually confirming that we get and we understand. Mm. Okay, so could you give me an example of how that would go in a conversation? You know, say I'm a person that's coming into, I'm an associate and I am not getting the types of cases that I would actually like. I see being passed over, but my work is good. I'm now approaching a senior person in the firm and I want to have this conversation and of course <laughs> I'm not really you know feeling confident about this so how would we go through that process with doing a courageous conversation using that as an example so like I said I think the starting point is going in to that conversation with an open mindset where you're going to really try to listen 
and learn and understand what is going on across the table from you. And I think setting the stage of even saying something like, I wanted to talk to you about my caseload. What I'm noticing or what my perception is, is that I can take on more. I'm finding that you know, I, I have a great interest in this area. I'd like to develop more in it, but I, I don't seem to be getting the work. And that, that might just be my perception. And I'm curious about what your thoughts are on, you know, the file distribution and, and the work I'm doing as well, you know, um, even and even saying, hey, I'm, I'm open to feedback on this file distribution or on the way that I'm handling things. All of a sudden, what we've done is opened it up. Would you say that going into that conversation as part of having the conversation, you would want to be able to perhaps run through your mind some of the particular ways that the person could be feeling about it? So for example, in that and listening means going into that conversation, saying to yourself, there are other alternatives besides just this person not wanting to give no different mm-hmm. cases. Like, it's just easier because the other associate happens to have more of an expertise just because of where the article, then they, you know, it's easier to just give them the cases than think about having to reshuffle and rethink, you know, as an example. Yeah, absolutely. It, so, so Faye, as you were saying that, I was thinking perfect example of our ability to coach ourselves. So to get curious Wonderful. with ourselves, even before we go and have that conversation, and we can ask ourselves, hmm, what are maybe some of my assumptions here? What are maybe exactly. some of the stories and they're usually untested stories that are running through my mind about why I'm not getting these files. And just sitting right. down and saying, okay, you know, it could be this, it could be that. And then this is where the courage zone comes in, is having the conversation around, this is my perception. And I just, you know, I want to confirm whether the way I'm thinking about it is if I'm on or off or how you're thinking about it. And, you know, what are, sure. what are the factors that you're taking? taking into consideration. I'd really like, I'd like to learn so that I know how I can so move forward we, best. So, so part of this process then is asking the powerful questions and seeking permission to offer another perspective and confirming what has happened or the next steps is what you would say is part of developing this key skill. Yeah, absolutely. I think that those powerful questions are going to be ones, and this is very simple, but very powerful. These questions are going to be open-ended so that we're really going back to that learner's mindset. We are being open to the possibilities and really listening to understand and learn what is the perception of the other person or what, you know, might they might not be thinking about this at all. Who knows? So those exactly. powerful those powerful questions, if they, they often begin with what or how. And I, my, my, one of my recommendations to people is that they avoid why questions because it can often um, in, kind of invoke a bit of defensiveness. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Why aren't you giving in. me that file? <laughs> yeah. I, I want a different caseload. Why aren't you providing it? Yes. Yeah, I can definitely I think, see that shutting doors. Yeah. I think that, and you talked about it, Faye, that progression of moving forward and not only confirming that we understand another person's position, but then being curious again about, okay, so if I'm understanding you correctly, this is, you know, how you normally would distribute files on in this area. You know, I'm curious, what could I do 
to get more file? You know, what, what, you know, process would you suggest that I go through? How could I express interest more often about Or how can I make file? this easier for you to make yeah. this an easier process, something along those lines? And then after you get through that, if you can get them to change their perspective or buy into the perspective that you have provided, then you confirm the agreement with them? Yeah. And you know what? This is where um, it's not always one conversation. In fact, a lot of the times it's going to take many conversations. And I, I think, you know, Faye, I have to say, if you get a no, I'm sorry, but we can't do it that way. I like to tell people, consider it a not yet. Because well, beautiful. Things can change. Our bosses, our leaders, our partners can and will change. Perspectives will change. New considerations will come up. People will think about things overnight or over the course of weeks and months. And yeah, so that, that word no or not now, think of it as a not yet. Have, have that hope that if you do good work, and you show up and you be your best, that you will be noticed, but you also have to ask and keep asking the good, uh, powerful questions that show you want to be respectful and interact in a productive way and move forward so that when there are maybe some next steps identified, you can confirm that and you can say, okay, um, so I think I get it. You know, maybe I need to complete training in this, or maybe I need to shadow with a more senior lawyer before I'm assigned a certain file is is that does how does that sound and then that sounds wonderful in terms of exactly it sounds wonderful in terms of giving people the options about where to go and i love that that you don't just accept no and take it as a not yet because that keeps the door open and as we know careers go on for a number of years and if you I made the mistake of expecting my work just to speak for itself. And I think this is an amazing process of having these conversations to continually get yourself into a position of being noticed and also having the conversations that get you the work that you are going to enjoy doing. So it's a very proactive thing that you can be doing in your career to, to make those changes. And I just want to ask you, what have what are the results that you've been seeing in terms of implementing courageous conversations with your coaching client? Well, I think um, the ones that make me smile ear to ear often involve career change. So I coach a lot of lawyers, they come to me and they say, you know what, I think I need to leave, uh, whether it's private practice or another sector. And they're starting to already think about very specific options out, either outside of law or maybe a different practice area. And what I've seen is that when people step back and we work on getting them in out of the cautious zone and into the courage zone, they start having conversations that express interest and are very honest and open about maybe the difficulties and the challenges that they're having. And when they ha- they're brave enough to be vulnerable and have those courageous conversations, what I've seen and what I love in my work is some recreation of jobs some oh, wow. change, changing of um, whether it's duties and responsibilities or even titles, like unexpected results where people, they're not having to leave, but they needed that's, to have that conversation first. That's to, fantastic. Yeah, that's, it just, 
it, as you can tell from my, my voice, it gets me excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. And it's an amazing concept. I think that it's been a wonderful conversation to talk about courageous conversations. I want to thank you for coming on Tribe Talks and sharing your expertise with the community. I'm looking forward to taking what we've discussed today and using it to create our Tuesday challenge where we will take one thing from what you've discussed today and use it to change and empower us in our lives and our careers because you've made it abundantly clear that having courageous conversations has the ability, if implemented right away, can start changing lives immediately. So I thank you very much, for Carmen. This has been invaluable information. For Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out herlegalglobal.com for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.